0: Hey team, thank you so much for tuning in. Today we're speaking with someone who has made it her mission to promote evidence-based nutrition and is a go-to source of information for the media. She's a lecturer and researcher at the King's College in London, regularly featured in print and online media, and more in line with what I want to talk about, is a knowledgeable person when it comes to sports nutrition. I'm talking about none other than Sophie Medlin. Hello (laughs) Sophie. Hi Peter, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Just before we get started, could you tell us a bit about the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist?
1: Absolutely. So um, dietitians are essentially medical nutrition people. Mm -hmm. So if you have a a nutritional problem or you have a nutritional question that's related to a medical problem, you need a dietitian is our kind of starting point. Yes alongside that lots of dietitians do extra work in sports nutrition lots of dietitians do extra work in things like public health and all those kinds of arenas so we yeah. kind of get everywhere yeah. but as a general rule nutritionists don't work with medical conditions and people with medical problems yeah. they uh, don't have the as a baseline they don't have the training to do so sure um whereas dietitians do and anywhere in the whole world can call themselves a nutritionist yes so it's not a protected title kind which of
0: like a masseuse and a physiotherapist exactly okay, that right.
1: so then there becomes sort of this gray area where some people are incredible nutritionists and have amazing levels of qualifications way beyond what i have mm-hmm. and other people don't have any qualifications at all or have printed something off groupon yes. or whatever else
0: back of a kellogg's uh, exactly Balsky. that yeah, yeah. yeah um so why did you choose dietetics
1: I'm a super privileged person who knew when I was 15 that this is what I wanted to do. And so I did it. Okay. <laughs> and I love it. You know, I'm really lucky. My career is, is amazing. I'm very lucky and I love everything that I do. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, we were just discussing before the camera started rolling. Um, from questions from my viewers, especially, um, it seems the greatest degree of confusion comes to when it comes in the form of weight management, um, more specifically weight reduction. Uh, For my line of things, can you give us a brief overview of what happens to your body when we're losing weight or the process that occurs for this to happen?
1: Yeah. So essentially what's happening when we're trying to lose weight is your body's tapping into your fat stores to release the energy from them to enable your organs to function. Mm -hmm. So whereas normally what we eat and drink is what uh, fuels our organs to to work, so our brains to function, our livers to function, all of those things, when we're trying to push ourselves into a calorie deficit, we're essentially not giving our bodies enough nutrition Mm from the food we're eating in order for our organs to function and our brains to work. Okay. And so we force our body to release energy, stored energy, from fat cells into our bloodstream to enable our organs to work.
0: Okay. Can I just go a bit further on that one? Um, I know ask it, I'm i going to ask it later, but I think it suits in here. Um, what about when the deficit is too much? For too long. What what sort of happens there?
1: So so what happens there is that your body undergoes some some reductive processes. So your body shuts down some essential processes, or yeah, your body shuts down some less essential processes, let's mm-hmm. say, and then your body can suffer a little bit. So your body becomes far less metabolically efficient okay. because it's worried about being pushed into starvation mode, essentially. So your body's reaction to that is to try and cling on to as much fat as possible and fat stores as possible.
0: The so kind of storage mode.
1: Exactly that. And so yeah. your metabolism will slow down significantly.
0: Okay. Okay. Great. Um, Conversely, weight gain. Mm. I I have a lot. I have a few clients who are in um, uh, the plus size range. Sure. Um, And so, what happens when we? gain weight, what's actually happening to the body when you overload in, in with nutrition
1: So there's two sides to that, when you first start reintroducing some food after you've been in a calorie deficit, so you've, you've been reducing weight and then you reintroduce some food, first of all you're going to take on board a lot of water so I imagine lots of the girls that you work with and lots of people you work with maybe after fashion week for example they might start eating a bit more normally and then they might see what would appear to be a massive weight gain yeah. and actually a lot of that is glycogen replacement Yes. so restoring glucose in livers and muscles in a healthy normal way where it should be and that takes with it some water so the scales might look a bit scary but actually that's healthy and normal and you can you lose that relatively quickly if you need to
0: yeah
1: once you've gone beyond that restorative process you would then think about laying down some fat stores so any excess calories that you take over and above what your body needs for daily function you would then store as fat
0: okay um and so things like i guess the atkins diet or even the keto diet stuff like this um, where it's really low carb, is this is this what's happening? As soon as people stop that way of eating, then it's the gain comes back on.
1: Yeah, so they'll particularly on low carbohydrate diets, they'll notice quite a big regain, mm. and that largely is the the laying down back the restor- restoration of glycogen into the muscles and livers, and yeah. that takes with it some water, so you look heavier, you feel heavier, and the scales might suggest you're heavier than you are, but a lot of that is water.
0: So what happens on a low carb diet? What's what are we missing by not having carbs?
1: Um, so a low carbohydrate diet is a pretty efficient way of losing weight quite quickly and it works well in the short term for some people, certainly not for everybody. Yeah. Some people feel absolutely terrible on a low carb diet. Yes. Um the long-term effects of being on a low-carbohydrate diet, we don't really know yet. But there are things to consider. For example, if you're not having whole grains and you cut out lots of and um, all of your carbohydrate products, then you're going to miss out on things that are essential for feeding your microbiome or those healthy bacteria that live in your colon. Yes. So in the long run, that's likely to have a really negative effect for all sorts of things, including our cognitive function and our mood and all sorts of things that we're not sure about yet as well. Yes. And um, furthermore, chances are you're going to be having too much protein either from plant sources or from animal sources on a low carbohydrate diet yep. and or too much fat that is con- then is considered healthy so your dietary balance is really quite off and what we know is that the healthiest people in the world who enjoy the greatest longevity and get least ill have quite a high carbohydrate diet Right.
0: Okay. so That's
1: actually yeah. short term useful as an application as a tool but long term not something that people should be aiming to sustain
0: yes okay Okay, um, can you get the same weight reduction from actually eating carbohydrates?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's all about calorie deficit in the end. So the only real thing that low-carbohydrate diet does is cut out a whole food group where you were getting lots of energy from before. Yeah, And actually, if we think about what would be preferable in terms of nutrient density for a short-term dietary fix, a low-carbohydrate diet is likely to include more vegetables and more nutrient-dense foods like fats and proteins than carbohydrates do. So carbohydrates are brilliant for lots of things, but they are largely a store of energy that... Doesn't come along along with many nutrients that are particularly healthy. Whereas yes. if we think about or useful, I should say. Whereas if we think about vegetables and protein, there's so many important nutrients in there that are really good for your body. Yes. So if you're thinking, um, I'm either going to follow a low carbohydrate diet or a low fat diet, you might be better off actually considering a low carbohydrate diet in terms of nutrient density of that diet.
0: Yes. And what about carb cycling? Because I know this is um, I'm, I'm this sort of veers on to the next question, which is like fads um (laughs) so uh carb cycling which i know is like in uh stage competitors use a lot of carb cycling
1: sure yeah so do you want to define to me what you think your audience understand by the term carb cycling because i don't think it's particularly well
0: uh (laughs) defined it's not really well documented i think carb cycling um from what people think is like no carbs then some carbs no carbs and then some carbs but uh, what it actually is is just a a slight reduction in carbs for a a few days and then a spike let's say on a training day um and that can uh, that can be something like 200 200 calories worth of carbs or 200, yeah, calories. Sure. Um, so it, it doesn't have to be that much, but I think the confusion lies in that where, where does it, where does it stop? Yeah. Or where, do, where is the lower point? Where is the higher point? Sure. Um, so my, I guess my, my question is, do you, uh, it was moving more in, into the next one, which was uh, fads. Like, is it an effective form of long-term weight reduction or is it, um. Uh, what, what's your view?
1: So, uh, what that sort of approach to eating might offer you is actually a bit more flexibility in what you're mm-hmm. eating. So it might be that you get to enjoy a few, a bit more variety in your diet on yeah. those days where you are having carbohydrates, which is always a good thing. Variety yeah. is the key. Yes. And um, I suppose we dress up all of these things, and they have all these special terms, and actually a lot of them are just, you know, a different way of eating it's the same. just in a slightly different way a different term behind it so certainly when i'm working with competitive athletes when i'm working with boxers or bodybuilders it is useful to have times where they have some carbohydrate in their diet and times when they don't it is a helpful strategy to manage body weight in that respect and to refine body composition yes um and And
0: to manage performance
1: exactly that and often when somebody um has some carbohydrates on a training day when they haven't had carbohydrates for a long time, they feel absolutely amazing. Yes, and they can optimize the training that they're doing. Yeah. So it might be that you feel quite low in terms of energy levels on a low carbohydrate diet, mm-hmm. but it's a short term means to an end. Mm-hmm. However, on the days when you do have some energy, you feel like Superman or Superwoman, and yeah. therefore you can perform better in your training.
0: Just out of interest, um, is that because I know um, is that effective for most people that you work with when when you do these sort of things, more so the p- performance side of things? Um, because I know some people do. Not discussing weight management anymore, but uh, I know some people do a lot more, um, uh, better on a high carbohydrate diet, for example, as opposed to you know if they just try and strip it out altogether. Um, Whereas some people do really poorly on a high carb.
1: I think it's completely individual. Yeah. So some of the people that I work with might really struggle on a low carbohydrate diet, and their performance might be terrible, even if we add a little bit of carbohydrate on the days when they are training. But some people. Um, I mean, you probably have heard of some really elite athletes that swear by a ketogenic diet or a very low carbohydrate diet, and yeah. they feel it improves their performance. I think they're paid for
0: these sort of things. <laughs>
1: I mean, maybe. Paid yeah. by who? The fat industry, I'm yeah, not yeah. sure. Yeah. But ultimately, I think that, you know, there is no one way for everybody to work to, to optimise okay. their performance. And yes. so ultimately, it's about working with somebody who can really tailor their advice to you as yes. an individual and where you can say... I feel awful, I can't train, I've run out of energy, I can't concentrate, what else can we do? And And it's about having lots of strings to your bow in terms of techniques and things you can use. Sure,
0: sure, sure, sure. And how do you manage at the the very start? You've just met somebody for the first time. How do you sort of distinguish, okay, this person's going to be this way or or this way?
1: So you don't know initially, but one thing that I would definitely do is talk to them about all of the things they've tried before. So what's worked for them in the past, what hasn't worked for them, what do they enjoy eating is really important. Mm -hmm. So if someone says... I absolutely love eating porridge, then cool, we'll build some porridge into your diet somewhere. Yep. But if they say, I know, you know, equally, if they're a vegan, for example, then we need to think about that. And the yes. low carbohydrate diet, a uh, vegan diet is very difficult to maintain and, and sort of um, formulate in a nutritionally sound way. Yes. So it really depends on the individual, what they like, what they enjoy. One of the clues that is quite helpful is do you feel really hungry when you wake up in the morning? Yeah. Or do you feel like that's not necessarily a time that you want to eat? And then typically people who wake what up that? really hungry are people that do better with a bit of carbohydrate in their diet. Okay,
0: fine. Typically
1: yep. people who wake up and think, well, actually, I'm not hungry and I could do, you could maybe do a bit more of an intermittent fasting type pattern, or mm-hmm. they may fare a bit better with some higher protein, lower carbohydrate.
0: Yeah.
1: But that is relatively anecdotal and based on some loose science, but I think that's kind of... You know, there are things that we do and things that we work with that give us some ideas about how people's metabolisms are working.
0: Sure, 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 sure. Um, I know there's a lot of glorification in media, like of uh, quick weight loss things, especially through social media. There's, sure. there's tons of this. Um, so things like uh, detox diets, juicing diets, booty tea or whatever they're called. Yeah. Okay, tell me. Makes
1: me sad. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I can see by my face. Yeah, I can see the reaction. Um, ultimately... Uh, Almost all of the... So any of the tea products that you would see will have a laxative effect. Yes. Any of the tea, coffee products, uh, detox products, the vast majority of them will be having a laxative effect. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really driving the weight loss. Now, um, you may have seen celebrities like Jamila Jamil talking about this kind of thing and saying, actually, you're just giving yourself diarrhoea. And that's really dangerous, in yeah. fact, because when you have, have diarrhoea, you also lose essential electrolytes. And if your body weight is already quite low, that can be really dangerous in terms of maintaining blood pressure and things like yeah. that. Yeah. The other thing is that if you uh, have regular laxatives, then you are making things like the contraceptive pill not work. Antidepressants don't work as well if you've constantly got diarrhoea. Right. And there have been lots of cases of teenage unwanted pregnancy in young women yep. because of taking detox teas and i don't think that message is really out there um and it's difficult to get people to listen because everybody heard that before. yeah because everybody wants a quick fix yes in terms of detoxing and that terminology there's nothing that will detox your body there's no such thing as real toxins that you get in your body your body's very good at filtering these things out and yes. you have your kidneys and your liver which detoxing your body all the time yes so drinking plenty of water and eating lots of fruit and vegetables so that your organs have got lots of nutrients to yep. run on is the only real way of, of making sure that you're clear of any potential toxins that don't really exist anyway
0: yeah i think we keep saying i keep uh, we keep saying quick fix as in like all these things are an answer to a quick fix but actually the best results i've had were um doing exactly what you've said put them on a put them on a uh, like a work off the t- total daily energy expenditure get the calories up there and actually they're then i think their natural weight starts to come on better
1: yeah absolutely.
0: Um, whereas yeah these things they all just you start a juicing diet. You might feel I don't know how you feel. I haven't actually ever done one. Um, but uh, my wife's done a, My wife's done a couple, and she says she feels good on it. And then as soon as it finishes, it's like all the weight comes back. So it's not. Um. Uh. Yeah, I just kind of avoid it. I'm going to skip the next question. because um, it was just about veganism. But anyway, um, the fitness industry is very much concerned with macronutrient intake. Yeah. Um, what's your view on it? How essential is t- is it to find out about your your macros?
1: um not very essential okay. really ultimately you're we're generally pretty good at understanding what our body needs most of us eat too much protein anyway and it's just a case of sort of refining some of those things if yeah. you're working to very refined body composition the general population almost never need to worry about the macros and what they're having as you're yes. just going about your daily life yes if we are talking about really refining body composition then yes having an understanding of um your um, overall metabolic rate and what's going on in your body and what your requirements are is really helpful yeah and it's certainly quite helpful to think okay well we wouldn't want you having 90 percent of your calories from carbohydrates because your nutritional adequacy wouldn't be great so we also want to make sure we're balancing that out yes but that's some gym bro science that perhaps is um, over-complicating something that's essentially quite a simple process.
0: Yes, which is?
1: Calorie deficit for weight loss.
0: Okay. Um, And the other thing I wanted to to ask here was, uh, let's say, because I know a lot of my clients, they come in and they've got a quite sporty figure. Mm -hmm. At the start, I try and push them towards, like, you know, you need a booker who is actually uh, organised in sporty figures not try and go to to actually like try and get on the runway or something work yeah. with what work with your what your body type is basically but a lot of them see that as the goal and so they push for it and they're wanting to reduce muscle size how are we going to get that muscle size down is it simply a calorie deficit
1: So it's challenging and I have to say I do, I very rarely work with trying to reduce anyone's muscle size. If we think about it from a metabolic perspective, um, you may benefit from reducing protein levels somewhat and reducing resistance exercise. Um, if you want to reduce muscle size but the other thing just to try and do is reduce those glycogen stores a little bit further maybe before an event for example or before you go for a fitting so um, one of the ways that we store carbohydrates in our body is in our muscles and so for example bodybuilders Pre and is the same, but before a, a fight or a performance, will cut. really cut yeah. and so they'll cut out as much um, of their carbohydrates they can so their muscles shrink down. But just before, they'll have a lot of carbohydrates to get that fluid back into yes. the muscles so their muscles look more bulky
0: and prop up the energy
1: exactly. Yeah. That and they feel better. Um, so there, there may be ways of manipulating it that way, but I would absolutely echo your sentiment that we all have a body type that is good for us, that's yeah. the wi- right way of being. Like, I spent my 20s trying to do the cape moss thing and not eat anything and just run and do planking and my body shape is muscly i always carry a lot of muscle that's just the way that i am and yeah. moving into a space where i embrace that has been wonderful for me because now i feel like i can do exercise that i yeah. actually enjoy rather awesome. than forcing myself to do stuff i hate and yes yeah it's
0: positive yes i think it is and i think actually the uh, the whole industry very slowly is moving towards it so yeah. so yeah best best for that Absolutely. um okay um, I just I just answered that last question. Okay, what is a VLCD, and where did it come from?
1: So, a very low calorie diet um, is. We do a lot of this in um, in medicine actually for for specific conditions, and I think that the term was probably coined by the. Um, diets that we used to shrink people's livers prior to bariatric surgery, okay. so surgery to so weight loss surgery, essentially. Yes. So there are some very, very morbidly obese people who have been struggling with their weight for a long time who may require a gastric bypass um, or very invasive surgery, essentially, to stop them from being able to overeat, uh, and which will probably save their lives. But prior to having that surgery, it's essential that their livers are shrunk down because the liver stores a lot of fat and a lot of liquid. And if the surgeon's trying to go in, then they can't physically manoeuvre around the liver sure. if the liver is too swollen in sure. that way. So I think that's probably where the term BCRD came from. Um, and typically we would do that with meal replacement shakes. Yes, okay. That research has moved into things like... Um, Uh, treat cure well curing or preventing diabetes in patients who've got pre-diabetes or who have some fatty infiltration in their pancreas so we can actually apply those to some other medical models now and typically when we talk about vclds we are talking about meal replacement and that's the easiest and most well-controlled way of being able to guarantee how many calories someone's getting in a day yes sometimes it might be that they have a meal replacement at lunchtime and a meal in the evening or whatever else but it's um you know that way of eating really reduces any joy that you get from food. Yeah. And yeah, any yeah. nice things. It really yeah. is a quick fix. You,
0: you keep um, uh, reiterating towards medical, medically prescribed. Yeah. Um, which I, which I totally agree with. Uh, yeah. What is um, the drawbacks of actually holding this for too long?
1: So um, shall we talk specifically about it being meal replacements, do you think? No, or, okay, um, just, either like,
0: way. just like, uh, like a, a very low-calorie low diet. Very low-calorie diet, yeah, yeah.
1: fine. So um, one, it's very difficult to meet your micronutrient requirements, so things like vitamins, minerals, trace elements, things like antioxidants and all those good, all that good stuff, mm-hmm. on a very low-calorie diet. So when we restrict overall energy, the chances are we're restricting all of those other things as well, which protect our immune system, which make all of our... You know, our blood do all its jobs properly and all those kinds of things. So it's very difficult to develop It's quite severe nutritional deficiencies on mm-hmm. a very low-calorie diet. Mm-hmm. You, people may also notice things like, um, on a very low-calorie diet for a very long period of time, things like um, more body hair can appear as you become more malnourished. You might lose That'd some called hair. called danny hair, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you might lose hair. You might lose hair quality. So you notice perhaps girls who are really quite malnourished or have f- followed this sort of thing for a long time even in someone who maintains quite a high BMI because they're very overweight to start with on a long term, very low calorie diet, we'll start to notice things like l- loss of hair quality. So I'm yes. talking about that frizzy hair that you notice at people's hairlines and perhaps thinning of the hair yep. you may also notice changes to skin quality. Um, so people's face might become quite um, concave quite shallow you might notice their sort of um, jaws come forward a little bit and jut forward and you can notice that people's perhaps that appears as someone's teeth looks quite big for their look mm. quite big for their face um sh- stinking of the eyes and things like that mm-hmm. um, you can develop lots of different side effects as a result of that sort of level of long-term starvation which is really going to not only affect your whole life yeah. in terms of mental performance joy all those kinds of things all the other things we get from food but also your appearance and so i guess for your group there's something really important there in terms of thinking about okay i might be thin but do i look well mm. do i look is my skin glowing is my hair nice is all those other things that i need yes. to present in a way that um i'll get booked to to work are those things on point or am I just thin? In which case, we need to, maybe we need to think about adjusting things.
0: Yeah. I think what's good now is um, I know in uh, London, for example, that if the measurements go too low, they actually do stop you working yeah so i think that's um that's a positive move forward and i guess um, maybe
1: i have a question for you on that yeah. what happens to those girls who are refused work because they're too thin is there a sort of they're um, asked to
0: put back on weight yeah they're asked to put back on weight and essentially like if you're not being sent out for castings or something then you're not getting any work so yeah um and i, I guess
1: there's the, what's the support structure for that where do they go who do they go to
0: right this is kind of where i step in um right. and that's a uh, uh yeah, so I step in and help out, like, you know, just with, with again, trying to get back up to that total daily energy expenditure. Yeah. Some of the girls start to eat more and still lose weight, but I think that's just more so like they're approaching where they need to be nutrition-wise, yeah. and so the metabolism's kicked back up.
1: Absolutely, it's a rebound um, thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so
0: it's, it's um for me, that's a that's a good point to, to see that, like, increase in calories can make you lose weight. And so I, I try and force, not force, but, you know, <laughs> uh, recommend to everybody that we do get up out of these, you know, uh, one thousand eight hundred, um, you know those calorie low calorie ranges, and then uh try and push it up to you know the 15th plus. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Because um,
0: I remember a study once um, about the it was post World War Two, and they were trying to uh, see the effects of very low calorie diets, but they were using fifteen hundred calories with these guys, yeah. and that was um. Uh, you know, that's, that's considered, that was considered then a very low calorie diet. And now yeah. people are at 1200 thinking like, you know, I'm, fi- I'm fine, I'm fine.
1: Yeah. And you know I'm where fine. that comes from? That comes from MyFitnessPal. Is that right? So MyFitnessPal's standard prescription oh, right. for energy is 1200 calories 1200. a day for a woman. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's, that's just incorrect.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah way off the mark. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and then also, also for the, for the end goal for these people is like, you know, it is body fat reduction. Yeah. But like you said at the start, you know the the, the metabolism metabolism slows down. Um, I think of that as causing stress on the body. The the cortisol goes up, and you get the storage. Yeah. Um. So it's 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 I don't know what my fitness pal is doing honestly. <laughs> um. But yeah, most most of these people would do really well off eighteen hundred.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and with with exercise that you love and that you enjoy yeah. and that's not punishing your body and yeah, you know we do a lot of stuff. Um. You know, there's a lot of sort of pressure for girls to follow and everyone to follow a very strict dietary regime and to, um, you know, exercise in a way that's really, you know, getting you up at five o'clock in the morning and whatever else. And actually... The, those things that you do can really push your body into having really high cortisol levels, mm. really high stress, mm. and that then makes it even more difficult to lose weight. Yes. Whereas, you know, if you can do things in a holistic way, if you can still go out for coffee and cake with your friends and feel okay about that, and that doesn't make you really stressed, maybe, maybe you can cake. still come <laughs> on and huff, <laughs> all those things. You know, there's so much important stuff that you that food is beyond yep. just energy. And, and of course, when you're leading up to an event the same way as the boxes I wear with the bodybuilders yes. and anything else, there are certain sacrifices that you probably need to make if your trade is off your body yes in, in trying to put that politely I didn't put it very politely if you mean, <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean, I mean it yeah. um, so if you, you know if that's the, how you make money then it's important that your body looks a certain way and that's your actual job mm. therefore you might need to make some sacrifices in the same way someone who has to work in the city until 10 o'clock at night every night yes day, so you know what I mean there yes. are sacrifices you have to make that said in the long term it's important that everything is balanced and that you get all the things that you need from food which yep. isn't just nutrition it's yep. also joy and social and all these other things
0: yes Yes, absolutely. Um, it kind of leads me off onto the next one, which is, uh, you You know, you've got to give up some things. But a kind of one question that's baffled me and like everybody who's come across me for, for years is um, you've always got that friend who's like they can eat whatever they want. So they'll be into junk food. They'll have the pizzas. They'll have the McDonald's, whatever. And they always stick thin.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then you get somebody who like walks past a plate of pasta and they put on weight, right? Yeah. What's the difference between these two people? What, what, why does this happen? <laughs>
1: so, um, we haven't studied these people okay. in terms of like. Well, so I say that there's been some work done on understanding differences in metabolism, obviously, in those sorts of things. Mm. Um, and but in general, in healthy people, we haven't taken two healthy people who have different experiences of trying to lose weight and understood their metabolism. Yes. No one's going to fund that research. It's yeah, yeah. you know just a yeah.
0: In your well-educated view.
1: In my well-educated view, or slightly well-educated view, I would say uh, energy requirements and everything exists in sort of what we would call a bell-shaped curve. So some people, when we talk about average nutritional requirements, if we say most people need about 1,800 a day, yeah. some people will fall at the top end of that, and some people will fall at the lower end of that. Yes. So some people, and I'm one of those people that just has to sniff pasta and is overweight, yeah. um, and... That means that probably I'm very efficient at storing things as energy, which probably means that my bloodline has survived because I'm metabolically very efficient at storing fat. Yes. So if you imagine we are essentially still cavemen living in modern world, cave women, and um, we haven't really evolved massively since then in terms of our, our metabolism and things like that, so um, it would serve, it would have served us very well if we were good at storing fat. It, when we were kind of evolving, yes. because of course we didn't know where our next meal was going to come from. Things were all a little bit fluctuating. We didn't have farming and all those sorts of things, so it was very different for us. So most of us will struggle to to lose weight and to maintain a healthy body weight most of the time, unless we're really concentrating on it. But there are absolutely some people who have a super fast metabolism who can just get away with it, and they do very well, eating very well and enjoying whatever they like, and yeah. they can do it, and that's fine for them. And I think there's some important messages there about not comparing yourself to other people and trying Mm -hmm. to just focus on your own journey and your own path, which can be really difficult, especially in such an aesthetically driven industry. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we have a set point for our weight?
1: Yeah, I do to to a certain extent. So that evidence is relatively shaky. Yes. Um, But what I would say is that most people come to a stage where they feel that actually this is their their healthiest weight or this is the weight that also enables them to have a good social life to do the things they want to do that doesn't mean they have to be in the gym every minute of every day and or starving themselves every minute of every day and that set point perhaps is less biological and perhaps more about your whole quality of life and everything else okay one thing i would say about metabolism is that i get lots of people come to my clinics who um particularly men who perhaps through their 20s could get away with eating whatever they like and then they get to 30 and they're like what the hell has happened and suddenly it feels like overnight they've put on 10 kilos yeah yeah But that happens a lot earlier for women, in my experience. So lots of women will say, well, I was 19, 20, 21. I was so thin and I didn't know I was thin. I still thought I was fat. And I um, then got to 23, 24 and suddenly I had to be super careful with everything I ate. And that's just, unfortunately, biology and the way that our bodies change through our lives. I always
0: see that as like, you know, you don't just... End up, you don't just like start one day eating a certain way, right? So, these 24 year olds, whatever, have yeah. been eating this way since maybe they were 12. So, it's yeah, 12 yeah. years of build up to actually get to that point. It's not overnight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: and the same thing for those guys who are 30, they've just been eating a certain way, you know, maybe going out for beer and beer yeah. and burgers. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, they're where they are. And then to get them to like, uh, you know, this point that's way over here, uh, eating wise, is like, you can't do it overnight. You've got. It's got to be a slow, not yeah. a slow process, but a process. Yeah, for sure, um, for sure. So, yeah, I think that's just. I get that a lot as well. You yeah. know, it, just, it just
1: happens. Yeah. So there's like this <laughs> metabolic slowing for sure yes. in everybody. And of course, women's bodies change then uh, through our lives. You know, when when we start our periods and then we're, not, we're in a sort of more stable menstrual cycle. And mm. then when we're less fertile in our 30s and 40s. And then when we have babies and mm. then we go through the menopause. And like your met- metabolism yes, changes all hard, the time. Yeah, With we the, have it really the, hard. The, it's the really big hard for us. us. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys don't get that. They don't get not that in the much same change. way.
1: No. no, not in the same way. No.
0: We don't go through the menopause. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of us do. Um, uh, okay, next question. Uh, so more more on the sports nutrition side now. It's um, so you've got the body of a uh, long distance runner, mm-hmm. um, and these guys are eating, you know, six thousand calories plus or whatever, you know, for, to, to, to 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 support their endurance events yep. or whatever um and then you know they're all quite lean and quite small but at the other end you've got a ballet dancer or a gymnast who actually i know uh in the australian institute of sport i used to, used to hear these stories of like you know they'll be given ice chips
1: yeah um ice soup to
0: kind of get the same physique yeah what's the difference where is where is it uh where's the miscommunication here right because one's doing six hours and one's doing almost nothing yeah just to get the same sort of physique
1: i would suggest that there's a cultural thing there mm. um so i would suggest that um it depends on the energy expenditure of each of course um but i think there's probably a significant cultural issue or difference there so in sport uh is in running people are encouraged to eat nutrition is a big focus of it it's really yes. part of everything yes. whereas with um ballet dancers similar to boxes i guess in some ways and similar to to bodybuilders yeah. um there's a lot of hearsay there's a lot of um you know secret behind the scenes stuff that people yes. pass on rather than nutrition being a real focus of it and i think that that's ta- speaking of not necessarily the boxes but speaking of aesthetics over performance and yeah. i think ballet dancers are such incredible athletes and really and I hope things are better than what I understood they used to be but you know nutrition really needs to be a big focus of that not least of all because when you are putting your body under that much pressure when you are um, relying on your joints and on your bones so heavily um, in order to support you and to be able to do what you need to do similar to long distance runners and particularly with women it's very easily easy to develop things like osteoporosis when people's periods stop it's a sign that their body's really decompensating and not able to sustain normal function yes And menstrual dysfunction, menstrual disruption is very, very common in ballet dancers and in long distance athletes. Mm -hmm. And there was just a case recently of a long distance runner, a female who um, has developed osteoporosis in her 20s as a result of of lengthy, essentially starvation. But just that culture of, of being very undernourished for a long time. This was a
0: runner. Yeah, how long. Yeah, this run is a runner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The thing about the period stopping, I, I hear that a lot from the from the girls. Um, mm-hmm. it's actually one of my, my health questions when Great. I when I start out, like, you know, how is that? Because I yeah. know that there's a massive calorie deficit if that has started to happen. For sure. Um and so yeah, even just to push even that's that's a good point to make. Yeah. Um, and it's
1: a nice way of motivating women as well. So um, when I work with patients who perhaps have got what I might call disordered eating, so perhaps they've had a very difficult relationship with food for a long time, maybe they have got a diagnosed eating disorder and they see a mm. counsellor as well, mm. um, often the thing that can really help people to understand that the food they're eating is nourishing their bodies is some sort of restoration of menstrual cycle. And that might be a goal
0: yeah. over
1: and above any sort of weight goal. Yes. might be actually let's restore your menstrual function because ultimately that's that's healthy. That's a sign that your body is, is getting back to where you want it to yeah. be.
0: yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So, uh, just uh, here's the next one with the focus of a continuing work, it's sometimes daunting for a client to go from 900 calories. And then there's are sort of stuck in that mindset, okay, this is how I'm keeping my weight down, uh, for me to tell them like, you know, you've got to bring it up. Uh, so I just had the example of uh, one girl last week came to me and she said, she's lost so much weight on a 900 calorie diet, but it just all of a sudden stopped. Um, I suggested to her that she double the amount that she's taking in, maybe not, maybe not like from a zero to 100 all the time but like at least spike it yeah every couple of days um and again work off that total daily energy expenditure um that's obviously meeting quite a lot of resistance terrifying yeah, yeah terrifying um, for people. so is it always the case you've said that um uh, you know you reduce your carbohydrates and then you bring them back in and then the weight comes back on is it always the case that you're going to go from this 900 calories and then start gaining the weight back on
1: not if it how asked. can we go about sure so not if you're exercising because you're still using up the excess energy so as long as you the, the the thing to do is to trust the expert and if people are coming to you for, for help and advice it's really important that they they trust that you've done it before that you've worked with lots of people it's worked before mm. that you can adjust what's really important to remember is that one day of overeating even if you ate five thousand calories on that day is not going to undo months and months of 900 calories a day yeah you have space and time Even if you're booking new jobs and whatever else, going for fittings and all these things, you have space and time to adjust. So it might be that for you try increasing calories slightly, maybe even just by 200 calories a day for a week, just to demonstrate to yourself that that's not going to mean that you are going to gain masses of weight in that time and that you can creep things up gradually. One of the things that I do work with is uh, with my patients is talking about um, learning to trust food again. So learning that, okay, let's add one thing in for three days Keep an eye on your weight, see what happens. I yep. promise you it won't go up. Let's yep. see what happens. Add another thing in, add another thing in. What foods do you trust? What foods don't you trust? Let's talk about some of the reasons why, what's underlying that, and what yep. you feel about it. And those sorts of conversations can be really helpful, but um, can be difficult to manage sometimes. And sure. I think it's about trust trust in the person that you're seeing, knowing that you're credible, knowing that what you do, you've been doing it for a long time, and mm. you've got lots of clients who you work with who. Who maintain the sort of physiques that you want them to? So it is it is super difficult. Trust in food is hard, especially if it is is such an important part of your life. If particularly for the girls that you work with, but it's it, it's vital that we listen to the experts and listen to our bodies and do the things we need to do.
0: Okay. When you say listen to the experts, which actually rolls onto the next <laughs> session, um, so uh, uh, there's so many fads when it comes to nutrition, um, and it's so it's like a minefield of like you know who is the expert and who's who's the person yeah. that I should actually listen to. So there's uh, things like the Atkins diet, the keto diet, juicing, metabolic typing diet, yeah, um, which is a big one that keeps popping up. Um, and the current obsession of no dairy and no gluten, yeah. which seems to be everybody's now got to do it dairy and gluten intolerance. Yeah. Um, what's your view on this subject, uh, and should we all be drinking oat milk?
1: So I refer to nutrition as being like the Wild West. It's just, it terrifies me how much um, nonsense there is out there, how impressionable people are, how... Um, vulnerable people are and how these companies really take advantage of people's vulnerability and their their desire to be thin and meet an aesthetic that perhaps is not necessarily realistic for everybody Mm -hmm. um they are preying on you you are a victim of them if you fall for the scams what i would say is um what so i in my opinion there's lots of different people that you could work with and There are some amazing nutritionists, as I mentioned right at the beginning, out there who've got some great credentials. There are some people who will call themselves a nutritionist who've never set foot inside a university. Yes. There are some incredible personal trainers doing amazing work in specific fields and generally and they'd be amazing to work with and there are some amazing dietitians and you always know that a dietitian's been to university and done all the yes. things they need to do yeah. that said there's also some crap dietitians and there's crap in every profession you know as, as
0: i think of as i think about it there's always got to be that person at the back of class who's not listening right so yeah, for <laughs> they sure. still get through
1: and also you know i think we um <coughs> there's an issue with dietitians in that there there's not very many of us it's quite competitive for jobs and mm. people might maybe overstretch their capabilities a little bit and they might oversell what they are capable of so Really, I would look for long-term credentials, reviews from other clients, get a a word-of-mouth recommendation from somebody. Yes. But in terms of products and things that you might buy online, just absolutely be very wary and just remember things like superfood and detox are a marketing term and they're just trying to sell you something. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Okay,
0: (laughs) Um. Final question for this part is... Mm -hmm. Uh, how bad is sugar for us, really?
1: Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I, I've got to go and do a talk tomorrow, and um, for the last two years, this company's asked me to go and do a talk about sugar. And all I really have to say about sugar is it's a very, like, innate substance. Really, it's certainly not poison, and yes. it's very difficult to eradicate from our diets. And we wouldn't necessarily want anyone to, um, in that it's actually goes in and out of your bloodstream very quickly. It's it, yeah. compared to sort of eating a whole bowl of cereal, for example, which is going to stay in your body for a long time. Yes. A little bit of honey in your yogurt is going to be in and out very quickly, and yes. then you're back to burning you know other fuels. So. Yeah, I just think it's been massively demonised okay. and there's been people saying, oh, I quit sugar, but then they're eating lots of date sugar or coconut Beetle sugar. Root. Yeah, yeah. Beetroot. Yeah, beetroot. Yeah. And, and sugar is sugar is sugar. Yes. You know, your body reacts to it in almost exactly the same way, yes. regardless of the source of that sweetness or the source of that sugar. Yes. So absolutely, please don't be afraid of sugar. It's really harmless in terms of what it's doing in our bodies. Yeah. Obviously, having too much of it is terrible for our teeth. Obviously, having too much of it is not good because it can drive obesity. But ultimately, if you're having a little bit of sugar, please don't worry that it's going to cause you any harm.
0: Just one thing. I don't know if that's going to go on the tape or not, but um, uh, you're, I know we need glucose for the brain, mm-hmm. right? And glucose for stored glycogen, whatever. Yep. Um, but fructose and its effect on uh, the cancer cells. Yeah. What's your view?
1: So in terms of people thinking that it feeds cancer cells. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's no... We don't think that's true. That maybe ha- is happening in like lab dishes on someone's desk, but it's yes. not the same as it happening in our bodies. Yes. And certainly we think that fruit is always positive. We would never demonise fruit and we'd yeah. encourage people to have fruit as much as possible because yeah. if that's your main source of sugar then you're doing pretty well.
0: Yeah.
1: Can we pop back to the gluten and dairy thing? Yes. So um do you want to intro it or don't we just go
0: for it? Um no, just go for it. Okay. Uh, I'll say no glu okay, no gluten and don't no dairy. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: So in terms of Dairy, it has become it's really been demonised as a result of some big what I would call shockumentaries. Yes. And I'm sure everyone knows which ones I'm talking about, same as meat and everything else. Um actually dairy is a really, really useful part of our diets. So it's very useful in terms of micronutrients. So it's got lots of things in it that are more difficult to access from other places mm-hmm. or that people don't necessarily get reliably from other sources. So for, for example, example Iodine is in milk and iodine otherwise is really only in things like shellfish. Yes. So that's difficult for people to to obtain. Vitamin D is really rich in milk and dairy products, but vitamin D only otherwise comes from the sunshine and the amount of sunshine we need in this country to generate that much vitamin D is not readily available to most people. Yeah. It's a great source of complete amino acids and all these sort of proteins and things like that that we need. Um, So in that sense, um, milk is really useful. If you are careful to replace the nutrients from other sources, so for example the Chinese don't have a lot of dairy, but well they do these days but they didn't in the past have a lot of dairy but they did eat a huge amount of sesame seeds and tofu yes. and edamame beans and all these other sources of calcium and bone broth and all these sorts of things yep. that we just don't typically have in this country. Yep. So it's not that you can't find those nutrients from other sources, it's just that you need to be conscious and aware and replace them effectively. Yes.
0: yes.
1: Um, and in terms of gluten, gluten is Is this tiny little protein that's found in, like, well, most people will know, but wheat products essentially, wheat, oats, barley, and rye. And it's really doing no harm at all. It's not harming anybody. It's just been demonised again, along with the rest of the wellness industry. all these tests industry? that are like, you
0: know, you get your nutrition tests, and they're like, you know, every single one comes back dairy and gluten. In. You have not a not not intolerant, but you know, uh, you've got some inflammational response yes, to it. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um, well, as you say, everyone's the same, so everyone gets the same results back. And then everyone comes to me a few years later and says, I had these tests on a few years ago, but I was told I was intolerant to so many things. I just couldn't cut anything out. And I didn't know what to eat and I didn't yeah. know what to do. Yeah. And ultimately, unless you have a profound intolerance or toxicity from gluten, yes. then there's no need to cut it out. Yes. Um, what we do find and what some of your models might find is that gluten and dairy can drive a little bit of bloating for some people. Yes. Certainly not for everybody. And when you are very slim, then bloating might be a little bit more noticeable noticeable for people so it might be that um certain things that are fermented in the colon like um gluten like dairy part for some people dairy not everybody um and for some people gluten are not everybody and things like onions and garlic and mm. these things can drive a bit of bloating for some people yes so if that's an issue for you then it's worth having explore about fermentable carbohydrates yes but for the majority of people if you try, if you buy something that's gluten free rather than something with gluten, it's going to have more fat in it. It's going to have this more is, sugar in it, find more in it. More chemicals it.
0: Has, it's worse than actually having. one. Exactly. The, the yeah. Thing, yeah. The first yeah. Suppose, yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we'll move on to the next thing, which Perfect. was which was questions from the audience. Lovely. Uh, so the first one was metabolic damage. Is it a thing?
1: So I suspect that we're talking here about people um, playing too hard with their metabolism and slowing it down too much, and then never being able to recover from yes. it. Is that what you yes. would uh, surmise? That's what. A, yes um so i i've never seen anyone who i consider to be metabolically damaged i used to work with some really severely anorexic patients when i worked in in acute hospitals and you know we can restore weight in almost everybody and weight loss occurs in almost everybody and whilst um it's certainly not good for you to continuously play around with how much energy is going in and how much is not going in and Giving your body a shock all the time. I, I've never seen anyone that I consider to be metabolically damaged. Yes.
0: Okay. Okay, fine. Um, how to combat the, that last bit of stubborn fat? Let's say you're working with a boxer, for example, who needs that. No. Not that one, because uh, I, <laughs> I know they do a lot of cutting at the end. Yeah. Um, do you ha- do you work with anybody who absolutely like just has to get that last little bit of
1: only boxes and Centres, really? So what I would say is oh body
0: compass. You work with body Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Fine. What Those guys. I w-
1: would say is that number one consider why you're doing it. Mm. Is it necessary? One of the first things I would think about is are you trying to drive your body into a a state that's not healthy for it? Um, so First of all, think about why you're doing it. Is it necessary? Um, if you're trying to drive your body below what would be a healthy weight for you, and um, a rough guide would be your body mass index, mm-hmm. then actually you're asking your body to go into a place that it doesn't want to go. Yeah. So you're asking your body to do something it doesn't want to do because it's not healthy and safe for your body to do that. Mm-hmm. So have a little think and reflect about that. First of all, is the is the most important thing to do. Yes. Um, I think really that. That sort of tiny, last tiny bit of fat question is is a hard one. It's difficult for me to answer. And the right evidence-based answer is for me to say don't try. But obviously there are things you can do in terms of switching up your regime. You might want to try some different exercise. So if you've been doing the same sorts of exercise for a long period of time, you might want to try something else. And that might just get rid of it in the way that you want it to or disguise it with something else or whatever. But there's, you know, ultimately just reflect on why and is it really necessary or are you just punishing your body and, and causing yourself harm?
0: Yeah. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, fine. <laughs> um, okay. So as a intermittent faster, do you, do you recommend training on an empty stomach?
1: Um, so there is a lot of rumors about fasted cardio being helpful. And there's lots of people saying it's absolute nonsense. It depends on how you feel and what works for you. So I prefer to train on an empty stomach. I'll always train with the maximum number of hours before. Yes. Um, but that is very much a personal thing. And yes. some people would be on the floor if they did yes. what I do. Me. And that's completely <laughs> fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you and I have very different body compositions, mm. right? So there's a reason for that. Yeah. And um, that doesn't mean... Yeah, that doesn't mean it's right for everybody. Yeah. It certainly works quite nicely if you are... Um, trying to get the body fat down quite a lot some people find that fasted cardio in the morning can really help to get them down to the space they need to be if they're elite athletes or perhaps your group and then perhaps having some energy when they're doing some more resistance work later yes um it's a very individual thing i prefer to train an empty stomach i perform better i feel better but that is completely my thing and not everyone else's
0: okay okay um what's your view on fasting (laughs) (laughs) um
1: so there's two one one of the things I would say is that everybody knows that if you don't eat, you lose weight, right? So it's not that fasting creates any kind of magic in your body or anything like that. Yes,
0: I'd, I'd speak more about, um. I know this is not what the person was talking about, but I, I'd speak more about uh, the benefits for your body for fasting. Yeah. I'm um, not talking about long term fasting. I'm talking about. Uh, intermittent fasting
1: yeah Um, so we think that there are some benefits in terms of uh, certainly helping you to manage your weight but then we're not really sure about the long-term benefits there's lots of rumors about it being really good for your mental health and for dementia risk and heart disease and all those kinds of things Mm. and actually that evidence is really in its infancy. Yeah. So one of my close colleagues um, is one of the sort of really high up researchers in intermittent fasting and actually we don't have all the answers yet and we don't know whether it's going to benefit anyone in the long run. No one in our you know, memory or study history has been an uh, intermittent faster for a long enough period of time. How long has it
0: been? When was the first studies done in intermittent
1: fasting? Really, really recently. So I'm going to say the last kind of five years or so we've been properly looking at it. And of course there are uh, religious groups, for example, who fast and we've been looking at them for a little bit longer. But if you imagine that um, vitamins were only really discovered um in like the 70s that's how early that's how early we are in nutrition research you know
0: yes yeah i've heard it said before that um nutrition is sort of like where the medical profession was in the dark ages
1: yeah we're doing our best but still
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's it's uh it's kind of exciting because it's already like so uh there's so much that you can do with nutrition oh my
1: goodness we're moving so quickly all the time it's really exciting
0: um That's it for that section. Nice. The last little bit is like, it's one minute with, right? So I'm going to do this bit for, it's like now one minute with Sophie. Okay. And then I'm going to give her, give you uh, a few questions. Well, not a few questions. There's a little notepad here. Okay. Or a little envelope with some questions in it. Okay. Um, Basically, you've got a minute to answer as many questions as you can. And these have nothing to do with nutrition. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm
1: excited.
0: Let me just, I'll get the timer.
1: High pressure. I should disclose that I'm dyslexic, so this may be fun. (laughs) And I'll I'll just
0: like have it out like so. Okay. You can just actually pick at them. Okay. Um. So, ready?
1: Yeah.